Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show, and he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins. It's the Jeremiah Show and Evolve Entertainment, featuring its radio with TV's Tim Stack. Mike Gormley presents Music Icons, The Arwen Lewis Show, and The Angel Baby Show. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. Got such a good show for you today. Great guests. 
we just heard Lila Ford's flawless four chair turn performance of Can't Find My Way Home on the Voice Blind Auditions. If you've uh, listened to the show for a while, you know that we have been uh, talking to artists from The Voice since season 16. So for quite a while, we're in season 24 now. And I was going to tell you a little bit about The Voice. If you have, if you don't know what The Voice is or if you haven't watched it, you've got to check it out. It's on NBC. It's a four-time Emmy Award-winning musical competition series. The Voice returns season 24 with the queen of country, Reba McIntyre, and she claims her red chair right alongside last season's champ, Niall Horan, and returning superstars and coaches, John Legend and Gwen Stefani, as they vie to discover and coach the next singing phenomenon. Spoiler alert, we've got her on the show today. <laughs> the show's innovative format features five stages of competition, which I want to actually get into a little bit today with my guest. Blind auditions, battle rounds, the knockouts, playoffs, and live performance shows. This season, the voice returns to the blind auditions, and during battles, each coach will have two steals to use. The three-way knockouts are also back. This time, however, artists will select their own songs to perform. I love that. And once the live performance show begins, the top artists will compete against each other weekly during a live broadcast. This time, the audience, the television audience, you, the listeners, will vote to save your favorite artists. And in the end, only one artist will be named The Voice and receive the grand prize of a recording contract. Watch The Voice on Mondays and Tuesdays, 8, 7 Central on NBC and streaming the next day on Peacock. That's typically how I see it. I want to welcome my special guest, Lila Ford. Hi, Lila. Hi, Jeremiah. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you. And congratulations on that four chair turn uh we're going to talk about that in a little bit but i loved your comment but everybody turned around and you what did you say you had to your heartbeat was yeah my <laughs> my heart rate was through the roof oh my god i i would if that was me and i can't sing so it wouldn't be me but i would never be in that position um but i would have when everybody starts turning I think I probably would have stopped singing and just smiled and been so happy. Is it hard to perform through? Yeah, that was, that was the hard part was that everybody all day long kind of prepares you. Well, not it's like you're just you're working up to hopefully getting a chair turn. You know what I mean? Like you're right. just everybody's just grateful. Like, you know, you, everybody's just like, oh, the producers go go sing your heart out. If they're going to turn, they're going to turn. You know, nobody prepares you for if they do turn, make sure you keep singing the song. Don't freak out. And I thought I was, you know, I was nervous all day, waiting, not knowing when I was going to go, walking up on that stage, thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to have like a little bit of time to just sit down, settle into the song. No problem. That did not happen. I sat down and I, and Gwen Stefani turned so quickly 
that I had this whole other surge of adrenaline immediately. And so I'm like, <gasps> okay, just keep singing, just keep singing, just keep going. Don't mess up the words. Don't stop. Don't freak out. Don't start crying. And then like, they were all, they were all turning around. So it was as though I was, you know, I, I wasn't performing to their backs. I was performing to their faces, which nobody had prepared me for that. So that was pretty wild. <laughs> That is wild uh, because that song and, and the way that you did the song. And I think now that I've listened to more of your music and your album, like, as I told you that all day today, but um, before the show, but that song in particular and the vocal uh, exercises, the discipline, the, you know, there's, there's a lot of technique. It sounds to me, it sounds like in that song and in your, your vocals, and to have something like that, you know, these superstars, these people you've grown up with and admired start turning, you know, and, 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 oh, you know, okay, now I've got my turn. And then you get another one and another one and to still maintain that composure and, and most importantly, um, that amazing performance must've just been very, uh, very, very hard. I, I just couldn't imagine being you. It was hard. You know, it was, I think I've, I'm really grateful for, you know, I've been a gigging musician in LA for the past two years, I guess, since I graduated from the music school at USC in 2021. So yeah, two years. So I've clocked a lot of hours performing. Like it's what I do for my full-time job. And I think because of that, it's like working out every day, pretty much. It's like, I'm singing you know, four to six times a week for four hours a pop, you know? And so I have a lot of practice performing and, you know, some people, when they get up on that stage, it's like their first big gig. They're from, you know, rural Arkansas or whatever, and they've never really like performed before. And so it's even harder to go up there and, and withstand the nerves and everything. But, um, I think because I've had so much practice performing, even though I was like losing my mind on the inside, I was able to just keep going and, and okay. execute. Yeah. Boy, did you execute. <laughs> Thank you. So you mentioned a couple things. I was going to go through your bio, but the, uh, at the big top here, but I thought I'd rather just kind of talk to you, talk to yeah, your bio with you a little bit. But you mentioned, well, let's. There's three things I want to go back to. Number one, no one tells you at the Voice what to what to expect when the chair turns. You, you told you just said right, but they do. But you're thinking about, you know, hopefully I get one chair to turn, but no one. You know, there's no, so, so there's that pressure and that, um, anxiety of like, what if I, what if nobody turns? Right. And then there's, uh, then when they do turn, that's a whole different level of anxiety that that's just happened in, in the shock to your body. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like, you've gotten, you've, you've sold them enough to turn around, but can you keep them? You know what I mean? Because if you, yeah, you can get them to turn around, but if you don't continue to execute that, they're already thinking, okay, you know, where would this person fit on my team or whatever? So yeah, that was crazy. Second thing you said, you went to USC. Um, I went to the film school, right? So right next door to the, uh, to, to the music program there, right? So <laughs> I, I, I love 
I have whenever whenever I talk to a musician that went there, I always think I have such fond memories because I would sit out there, you know, where I'm talking about in that little courtyard there, and and musicians would be playing out under the trees, and uh, you know, oh, listen to yeah. music. Just, it was so beautiful that to to be in that area. I think of the campus. That's so cool. Yeah, the film school is really gorgeous. I remember always being kind of envious of the film buildings. I, I was envious of you. Wow, <laughs> look at that. Now, did you study, like, tell me what you, how you, you know, what your studies comprised of? Was it a lot of jazz? Because you, you're. Yeah, it was jazz. So I studied, jazz. Yeah, I studied jazz in college. So um, jazz voice specifically, but I, it was a jazz degree. My degree specifically is jazz studies. So I was taking piano lessons and composition lessons and theory classes and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to be a jazz singer. I'm not trying to be like a modern jazz singer at all, in fact. Um, but studying jazz, I believe, makes you the highest level of musician that you can possibly be because it's such a complicated mm-hmm. form of music, form of art. And it gave me such incredible tools in terms of improvisation composition harmony theory all these things and it really set me up to be able to hit the ground running once i graduated you know i had no idea what i was going to do i was like how am i going to pay rent how am i going to make money but with that background things just and you meet people things just kind of fall into place and then all of a sudden you're just doing it so i'm i'm really grateful to my jazz education for um the voice that i have not my literal voice but my like proverbial voice you know what i mean i feel like the jazz education really contributed to that what do you think uh, the, the you know you say it contributed the the studies and, and the vocal um practice in jazz what do you what do you borrow from the most do you think in from jazz or or if if you don't know that you know the answer to that question what do you what do you call on within yourself as a music artist that you think makes your you and your sound your music and your art different and uniquely you is there yeah i think well specifically from jazz do you mean yeah or if it's not jazz but there's just something that you call on that you go this is my these are my you know the arrows in my pack or these this is what i what i call up this is what makes my my voice my sound me you know something that you're aware of within yourself totally i think i think it is my musicianship because everybody on this show as you've seen there's so many unbelievable singers unbelievable singers but i think what i have that's different that gives me an edge is that i'm a musician and i'm not just a musician that you know can like play an instrument or something like that but i really think my background in music in many different types of music and growing up in choir having a mom who's a classical pianist going to jazz school has all has given me a palette that i bring together to create my own sound but i think the improvisatory part of jazz and under the understanding of harmony that those parts of jazz i think have really contributed to my voice and what makes me unique and i think what will make me stand out on this show you 
perform and you gig a lot. I mean, I know you had a tour last year, right? How was that, by the way, your first tour? Oh my goodness, it was amazing. It was, it was exhausting. We did 20 shows in 28 days all across Europe. So it was exhausting, but it was incredible. The person I was there with, I was opening up for her and I was also playing in her band. So I was working a lot. I was working a lot, but I was down. Like, like I said, sort of like I mentioned before, getting reps in, um, you know, playing gigs and just getting a ton of repetition under your belt. That's kind of what that tour felt like for me too. I was like playing 20, 20 shows in 28 days. This is like, you know, what rock stars have been doing for years and years and years. And yes, I wasn't playing stadiums, but it was a really magical experience because we were kind of playing music in the way that traditionally it's been played. Like, it felt like we were traveling troubadours and like we would go and maybe we would play in this pub and the pub in this small town in Germany would be packed with all the townspeople. And then afterwards we would go, we would stay in the apartment above the pub and the owner of the pub would make us homemade dinner. And we would like have dinner with him and his family after the show. So it felt like a really special way of getting to know not only just the countries we were in, but the people and the traditions of music that have been there for years and years and years. So it felt like connecting to a deep part of like my, not my past specifically, but the path that has been paved for me by hundreds and hundreds of people and brought me to where I am now. So it was, it was a really special experience. I was thinking about that a lot today. I'm glad you brought it, you put it that way. I think that's a, that is a very accurate way of of putting that almost traveling troubadours and you know going to pubs and playing smaller venues i was thinking about it because i've got a, one of our friends of the show is louise goffin you know she that's carol king's daughter and oh, she, wow. she's an amazing artist herself and she went out you know she can play big she's played with uh, all the greats and the big you know james taylor and all these great musicians and she went she decided to do a small pub tour in scotland and ireland this summer and i just thought that was so cool and then more and more i hear that artists are gigging in small clubs and small venues big names and um you know for instance here in santa barbara uh, there's a bar called a music bar called red piano and i noticed uh, that you know jeff skunk baxter from the doovie brothers and steely dan is playing and it's a small little venue uh kenny loggins is playing i think this week and, and you know i noticed that musicians are out there doing this and i wonder if it's if it's um a result of being locked not being able to perform in front of audiences and then you know through COVID, and then now being able to again and I wonder if it also if it's just like it's a better way to connect with Absolutely. with their audience again. You know what I mean? Almost like getting back to the roots. And and then the last part of this, and this is a question for you, is that I hear a lot from artists that are up and coming, and they say to me, "You can't make it in the music business, so I'm just not even gonna. I don't think I can make it. I can't make enough living. I can't make a living. I can't make enough money." And I see time and time again artists like you that just go out there and do it and my question for you and they play and they perform and they gig it maybe there's 20 people listening maybe there's one or two in a lounge you know but you're doing it and you're doing what you love 
which is probably the most important thing. So my question is, can you make a living, do you think, doing it the way you're doing it? And if you only could do it the way that you're doing it right now, this is the only path that ever opened to you, would you be, would you still follow it? A hundred percent. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. And you absolutely can do it to anybody who's listening right now, who is maybe having doubts or fears about following this dream. You a hundred percent can do it. The roof over my head right now is paid for by my musicianship and my gigs solely nothing else. I think the common misconception that people have is that it's either you work as a dishwasher or you're a superstar, but that's not the case. It's not like one world or straight shot to fame. There's something in between. And that's what I do. Obviously I'm being on this show is um, offering me an opportunity to do something more, but there's the salt of the earth gigs that everyday people play all the time. Like you've ever walked into a hotel lobby or a bar or a lounge or whatever it is, there's musicians playing there. Those people they're playing, they're getting paid They're You know, it's like, you can do it. There's tons of other things you can do. You can work as a session musician. You can do, you can teach, you can do tons of things. Like it's, it's scary, obviously, because it work can be few and far between, you know, like in the months of January and February, things get really slow because everybody's blown their budget on Christmas and New Year's. So gigs get really slow, but for the rest of the year, there's so much work. And the question you asked, if this was the only path that opened up to me a hundred percent, a hundred percent, there's nothing else. There's nothing else I could possibly do. And if I was playing in hotel lounges for the rest of my life, I would be satisfied because I could play, I can play whatever I want. And for me, it's really about the music. It's not, obviously I want to be like recognized for my gift and I would like a platform to share my gift with the world and with the country and with whomever I think will receive it. And I do think I have something really special to offer, but it's not about fame. It's not about clout. It's about, for me, it's like always, and I hope always remains really, really about the music. So this show, is offering me a platform to, you know, expand my, my reach. Mm-hmm. But if the, if this weren't the case, if this opportunity hadn't fallen into my lap, then a hundred percent, I would just still be doing my same thing and figure out other ways to kind of make my life satisfactory or gratifying and, and fulfilling. Yeah. Well said. I, I, I think that so many of us fall into like, well, if it's not a huge success to, tomorrow and I can't make a, you know, I'm not up there and I'm not making millions of dollars and, you know, the dream of whatever your dream may be, they give up, but that's, wouldn't that be harder to give up on that dream? If you were truly a musician or an artist in your heart and in oh. and every, every fiber of your being to, to do a nine to five and just say, well, just cause I got to go the, I got to go the safe route would, would be just, I think, uh, so hard every single day. You know? It would be, yeah, it would be much harder than maybe scraping by to pay rent. In my opinion, I would much rather have the high risk, high reward, and of knowing I'm doing something I love rather than taking the safe route and feeling unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. Well, let's come back. There's more. I, you're from Seattle, and I want to talk about that. Uh, and and your upbringing is just uh, pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take it a break. 
with uh, August Rain. I, I love that title because uh, it it brings up it's poetic in my mind. Oh, thank uh, you. Do you have anything you want to say about the song to set it up or this song? This song I wrote about um, a conflict with a friend. So I'll tell you. But August Rain, August Rain was always when I was going back to school, when I was leaving home, and I was going back to college. So it was like the August, the turning of the seasons. So I'll, that's all I'll say. Okay, uh, and I and I like that because I, I I hesitate to ask you to describe the song because I think everybody hears it their own way, right? You don't want to give away too much and then ruin it for somebody. <laughs> My special guest today, Lila Ford. I'm not going to tell you. I hope I haven't already slipped and told you what team she's on. We're going to tease you to the end. I'm going to, we're going to talk about that at the last segment. She's on NBC's The Voice season 24. Um, I was looking today on YouTube at Lila Ford. Um, here's the title. Lila Ford performs Blind Face, Can't Find My Way Home during The Voice Blind, blind Auditions. So I look at it first at about 6 a.m. and it's 9 189,888 views, right? I go back about two hours later, it's at 990,000 views. Okay. In like like an hour and a half, two hours. So let's get you up to uh, over a million today. Let's do it. Come on. Check it out. Lila Ford on The Voice performs Blind Face, Can't Find My Way Home. NBC's The Voice season 24 follows the strongest vocalists from across the country and invites them to compete in this season's blockbuster vocal competition. Reba McIntyre, John Legend, Gwen Stefani, Niall Horan. Watch The Voice Monday and Tuesdays at 8, 7 Central on NBC and streaming the very next day on Peacock is where I watch it. Doesn't matter where you watch it, just watch. Get The Voice official app. And the voice on social, on Facebook, on X, the voice on Instagram. Um, And you can find voice trailers, full episodes, highlights, previews, promos, clips, and exclusives on NBC on social, on YouTube, X, Facebook, and Instagram. Find Lila Ford, the EP or her last EP that's out there right now that I spent so much time with this morning. You're going to want to do that as well. It goes great with a cup of coffee, waking up, beautiful sunshine day. It's called In Another Life. All I expected is the new single. We're going to play it at the end in its entirety. LilaFord.com. You can follow her, find her, uh, everything right there. We'll be right back. My name is Lila Ford. I'm from Seattle, but I live here now. Beautiful. That song could not be more perfect for you if you tried. And you look so comfortable up there on that piano. Your tone has got so many parts. It was like listening to like full on Joni Mitchell stuff. You know where Joni would like sing that real deep stuff and then just like, it was like, it's so cool. That's Scooby Doo, I believe. That was a perfect Scooby-Doo imitation. 
like to watch? Subscribe to The Jeremiah Show on YouTube. It's me, Vanessa Simone. I'm 23 years old and I'm tuning on NBC The Voice to catch me on Team Chance to see what happens on my journey. And also tune in on The Jeremiah Show. I'm going to be doing some interviews with him today and I'm super excited. Also, my socials is Vanessa Simone on all platforms. See you then. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We're fighting right now, okay? So... Where is fighting, folks? I'm literally taking off my shoes because I have, like... This is what the world needs. Correct. We want a singer-songwriter with a true point of view that's original, unique, that's not trying to be like anyone else. And the way you performed it, the confidence, it's everything that I love. It was so good. It was so beautiful. I'm standing in the middle of the room like this is so (laughs) awkward. But you're my dream voice girl to work with. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much, I love you. That was magical. to the jeremiah show my very special guest today lila ford she's in uh, on the show and she's also on nbc's the voice season 24 she had an incredible four chair turn now i've watched the voice for a long time and i haven't seen that happen that often and i meant to look up and find out see if i could find a fun fact on that you know how many times in, in this, all the seasons over the years, all the shows that they've done, there's been a four chair turn. Lila, welcome back, by the way. I don't know how many times. I re- I asked the question years ago on, I don't know, maybe season 18 or something of a guest. And there had, and I looked it up, and there hadn't been that many. When you consider all the shows, I think it's pretty rare. It's a pretty rare occurrence. Congratulations. Honored. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So you were raised in Seattle. You studied jazz. If you're just joining us, I'm going to catch you up. 
Lila studied jazz voice at the USC Thornton School of Music. You fell in love with songwriting there. What do you love about songwriting? And how did you fall in love with it? Like, what was the moment? What was the, was there a, a song or was there just a, something came to you and you're like, I, I'm good at this. I love this. Yeah, I, I took a songwriting class my second year of college. And um, I had, I'd written a little bit before, but not really. And the songwriting class, he kind of just, whereas a jazz education, it's like really complicated. There's all these really intense, advanced things that stress you out. In the songwriting class, he was just like, you feel something, you can do one chord and then another chord, and that's your verse and that's your chorus. And I was like, oh, it's that simple. Oh, okay. And so I just started writing. I literally, I just started writing. I don't know how it happened, but after I kind of had that realization that it doesn't need to be this, I don't need to be Duke Ellington. I don't need to be Mozart. I don't need to be some virtuosic yet. You know, we'll get there, but you can just start from square one, basic human emotions. How do you feel? Um, and the other thing that I really loved about songwriting is that I think I have a kind of a unique voice. It's very different from a lot of other people's voices and specifically in the way that I sing. And so sometimes, you know, finding songs that fit your instrument can be challenging, but when you write, you can just write songs that fit your instrument the best and that actually highlight and showcase the most beautiful parts of your instrument. So it gave me a sense of like liberation and freedom. Oh, now I can really use this this voice to the poten its greatest potential through my original music. So that felt like a pretty profound realization. And then from there, it just never stopped. Hmm. I, I, you said this in the first part of the show, and if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the podcast. I encourage you to. When we were getting to know you a little bit, you said that um, every experience, and, I, and I'm not quoting you accurately here, but kind of paraphrasing, every experience that you've had from uh, from gigging to USC to the tour to work your mother um, and her how she inspired you as a classical pianist, um, everything has built on, uh, you know, on on, I guess, built your 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 instrument, your voice, your craft, your art. So every everything adds to it, right? Absolutely. Um, what about you know? You were raised in Seattle. I think this is such an interesting childhood. If you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about this, um, Seattle. A lot of rain, right? A lot of gray, a, a lot of, oh, but yeah. a lot of beauty, such beauty up there. Uh, I would imagine very inspirational, but very moody maybe. And then you're now, now you live in Los Angeles and it's probably the opposite of that. Very sunny and it's always sunny in LA. Um, there's such a difference there. Does the, do the, does the weather, the locations in your life, the two, strong areas that you're in now that you've grown up in or lived in have, do they affect your music your songwriting absolutely i mean i definitely have grown soft since i moved to la and then i when i go back to seattle i can't stand the cold i can't stand the dark i can't stand all of it but growing up in seattle in the kind of interesting way that i did really i think 
added to my just the, my my data as a human being that then adds to my artistry so yeah it was pretty it's dark it's dreary up there and i remember like taking the bus to high school and i had to be there at 8 a.m so that means i had to catch the bus at 7 a.m and it doesn't the sun doesn't rate like the sun doesn't come up until 8 th- 8 45 in the winter time and so i'm just in the pitch black it's pouring rain walking to the bus sometimes if i were late my mom would take pity on me and she would drive me to the bus stop but i would you know i would sit on the bus and i would read my book and i would practice my songs and i would think of you know like it it i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade it for the world and of course in the summer the summers in seattle are the most it's the most beautiful place in the world the sun doesn't set until you know 10 30 p.m it raise it comes up at 4 a.m so there's the there's the duality and my parents still live up there they have this wild sort of piece of property up on um in the san juan islands that we go up to they they host retreats and they're meditation hippie type people um which is really yes well okay. we actually have a lot of parallels i lived up in uh pacific northwest up in coeur d'alene idaho oh you um, did nice very religious family hippie family okay. um wow. yeah I, I was reading your usc you know there's some there's some similar- i know we got a lot we got a lot we got a lot in common i love that jeremiah okay cool <laughs> but go um, ahead i'm sorry what was i um so i guess very the the seattle and la they're starkly different starkly different not just in the weather obviously but in the culture too you know i came from this i went to this um sort of like hippie charter school it's called the waldorf school where you're it's like alternative learning you're outside you're not just shoved in a classroom you're gardening and you're woodworking and you're learning to sew and you're playing music and you're doing all these things you know so that sounds um, great yeah, it was a really wonderful way to to be a child and to develop as a child. I'm so grateful to my parents for putting me in that school, even though I was really mad at them at times when everybody else, like when I was in choir, everybody else went to public school and had a cell phone. They went to normal school and I didn't have a cell phone until way, way, way later. I wasn't allowed to like really watch TV. They would say, just go outside, go play outside. And I remember as a kid being really angry at them just let me be normal please but looking back on it i'm so grateful that they had those really strong boundaries and it's even harder now as i'm 24 but you know media and social media and technology is even more seeped into our culture that it's even harder for parents to have those boundaries now but i remember coming to la and being like oh everybody here is like like it's very hot it means hollywood so everybody moves here to try to become a youtuber or to like get famous or get discovered or like whatever it was so i was like first when i arrived here i was like oh do i have to do i have to play that game to kind of like get what i want like i i i was really unaccustomed to kind of being a networking girl and trying to like open up all these doors for myself i was really just focused on the music and Honestly, in the end, I'm really glad that I didn't, I haven't gotten eaten alive by LA. I feel like I've been able to hold true to who I am. The Seattle girl still lives strong in me and being able to focus on the music and keep that as a holy, the holy priority throughout it all has actually given me a leg up. And I think it makes me stand out, especially like on a show like this, where it is a lot of 
you know, it's, it's television in the end, but I think because of where I came from, I'm very different than anybody they've had before. Sorry, long-winded answer, but there you have it. <laughs> this is your show. I only want to hear you. I, I don't want to okay, talk. Great. So tell the long stories as long as you like. Do you th so you think that that, although you resented it, like every kid does, that when I don't have what everybody else has, I want to be normal like everybody else. But at the end, at the end of the day, do you think that that upbringing that you and the the values that your your parents instilled on you actually ended up really fueling your art form and your music? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Because yeah, I'm so grateful for them because it's really hard to do when your kid is telling you whatever, I hate you. Just let me be normal or whatever. Like for them to still be like, no, I'm doing this. And in 10 years, you're going to thank me because yeah, they, instead of just putting me in front of the TV, they would say, go outside, go, go create something, go play the piano, go learn to play the guitar, go draw something, go be creative. So it gave me like the tools that I still use today for yeah. my creativity, for my art form, for my career, essentially. And I'm not, yeah. So looking back on it, I, I will do the same thing to my children and it might be hard. It probably will be even harder, but I'm so grateful for my parents for laying that foundation for me. Yeah. Well, thank you to your parents. I know. God bless. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, a young woman trying to make it in the music business in Los Angeles. How many times have you heard that story or an actress, right? It's a, it, and it chews you up and spits you back out. It's a hard, yes. hard, it, it could be a hard business. If you didn't have that upbringing, probably those, that moral compass, that strong belief in yourself. But what was it like that first week in LA for you when you plopped it? I don't know how you arrived. Did your parents take you down? Yeah, moved in. Did they did they move you in? Totally, they moved and me then they in. They had to leave, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm the youngest kid in my family, so I have two older brothers. So I think it was hard. They it was they were empty nesters when they moved me into my freshman dorm. That was that was the end of their they done their their work was done. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but sad for them. I mean, sad for you. Right? Sad, yeah. Anyway, sad and happy. Sat bittersweet, you know, it was really bittersweet. It took a while to adjust. I remember the first, yeah, the first couple of weeks I was in LA, I was like, what on earth have I done? Cause I was in, I was in a dorm. I didn't have any air conditioning. I was right next to the trash room. It was like, I was like, <laughs> and everybody was like, yeah, kind of how I described everybody was like trying to be somebody and trying to like suss out where you are on the social hierarchy to see like what they can get from you. And I didn't feel like I had any capital at that time. I was just a girl, you know, coming to college. And, and then I'm actually really grateful that I went to USC and built a network there for four years and then moved out into the real world, like versus just moving to LA without going to college, just like playing hard, cold, just moving to LA, trying to create a network from nothing, like creating a network from USC, actually it, it, yeah, it built my community. It made it. So I was able to find my people that I do really resonate with that. I do love making music with holding relationships with and all that sort of stuff. So that, cause it got actually even worse. Once I graduated college and I was in the real world, it got even worse with all those people who are trying to like use you for something or think that they can offer you something, but they really just, they just want you. Like, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been at a gig playing and some guy will come up to me and be like, you know, I really could, 
I could be your big break. You know, like they don't say that specific, like literally, but they're, but they're schmoozing, like they're, you know, kind of a washed up Hollywood name. They've worked with somebody back in like 1980 something. And they're like, you know, I could really be what you need. And at first I was like, when I would get those sort of offers or that sort of attention, I'd be like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. And then a couple of times it would happen. And I'm like, oh, wait, this person can't really offer me anything. They just recognize something in me mm-hmm. that they want to capitalize on it before I take off or something like that. So you kind of have to like wade through the sharks in this town. You have to have a strong sense of self so you don't get used up and chewed up. And then there's nothing left of your artistry. So this opportunity for the voice came at the perfect time. I was playing at a gig and somebody heard me. And okay. I was going to ask. Well, let's save that story for the other side of the break because now we're going to get into the voice a little bit more. Okay, perfect. Okay, so stay with us. Don't go anywhere. Lila Ford is our special guest today. We're listening to her music throughout the show. And uh, she had one of those, doesn't happen very often, those four chair turns. We're going to let you know who she chose next as her coach. Uh, so we'll be right back. Stay with us. Lila, before we leave your parents, though, plug their, the, they have a business up there, right? It's a resort. A, a yes, they do. I'll plug it for them. Yeah. It's called the Awareness School. You can look up the awarenessschool.com or Awareness School on IG, Instagram. Um, and yeah, they host meditation retreats in the beautiful San Juan Islands in the Pacific Northwest. It's unlike anything you've ever experienced. Check it out, you guys. You don't want to miss, miss this one. Okay, Lila Ford, she's a singer, songwriter, album is in another life. It's inspired by fusion of jazz and folk. Um, all I expected is her new single. We're gonna play it in its entirety at the end of the show here. Gwen Stefani says of Lila, this is what the world needs. A true singer songwriter that's original and unique, that's not trying to be anyone else. Your my dream voice girl to work with. God, Gwen Stefani. That, uh, that's got to go on your resume somewhere. <laughs> John Legend. John Legend says of Lila, what I heard was wisdom. And Reba McIntyre says, you are an old soul. We'll be right back with Lila Ford. Check out Lila Ford's flawless four chair turn performance of Can't Find My Way Home. On YouTube, the voice, the voice blind editions. Watch the voice Mondays and Tuesdays, eight seven central on NBC and streaming the next day on Peacock. Go to lilaford.com to follow Lila and get her music. We'll be right back. We're freaking fighting right now, okay? So when is fighting, folks? I'm literally taking off my shoes because I have like this is what the world needs. We want a singer-songwriter with a true point of view that's original, unique, that's not trying to be like anyone else. And the way you performed it, the confidence, it's everything that I love. It was so good. It was so beautiful. I'm standing in the middle of the room like this is so (laughs) awkward. But you're my dream voice girl to work with. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you. That was magical. What I heard was like wisdom. You understood everything you were saying. Every little nuance, every little Scooby woof. (laughs) (laughs) But everything felt completely under your control. And I could even tell that it was you playing before I turned because it felt like the artist was playing and not the band. 
Thank you, John. That means a lot. That means a lot to me. I started playing clubs and honky-tonks and dance halls when I was 13 years old. So I saw the maturity in you as you were sitting there singing and playing. You are an old soul. You're mature beyond your years. Thank you, Reba. And tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been singing? My mom's a musician. She's a pianist, so straight out the womb, all of us were playing, yeah. doing something. Really? So I was in choir all growing up. What are you doing now? I'm a gigging girl in L.A. I gig full time. Where can we go see you? <laughs> I'm like the lounge singer, you know, a lot of hotels in Santa Monica. I do a lot yeah. of Joni, Carole King. I do a lot of the Beatles. I have those kinds of gigs, like the rough part about it is that you know people are there for other reasons mm -hmm. and like you want them to love everything you're doing appreciate all the nuances it's like they're having a drink with their friend and chatting and gives you a thick skin though <laughs> it does <laughs> it makes you so resilient that resilience shown through because it was like i'm not affected by mm, all this hubbub around me i'm going to give you this beauty and this honesty and this authenticity it was just so pure coming from you thank you lila you're in safe hands no matter where you go. I would personally absolutely adore you to and be on the And now he even team. behaved himself throughout this pitch. I feel like you tamed him in a way. Oh, really? She deserves me to be quiet. Um, Lila, who are you going to pick as your coach? Me, obviously. Come on, Lila. Keep up, will ya? There is a lot going on here. Subscribe and always be in the no crowd. Hi, everyone. This is Kala Banham. I am an artist currently on Team Chance on season 23 of NBC's The Voice. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Kala Banham Everywhere. And you're listening to the Jeremiah Show. I started playing clubs and honky-tonks and dance halls when I was 13 years old. So I saw the maturity in you as you were sitting there singing and playing. You are an old soul. You're mature beyond your years. Thank you, Reba. And tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been singing? My mom's a musician. She's a pianist, so straight out the womb, all of us were playing, yeah. doing something. Really? So I was in choir all growing up. What are you doing now? I'm a gigging girl in L.A. I gig full time. Where can we go see you? <laughs> I'm like the lounge singer, you know, a lot of hotels in Santa Monica. I do a lot yeah. of Joni, Carole King. I do a lot of the Beatles. Oh, mm -hmm.
to the Jeremiah Show. My special guest today, Lila Ford, NBC's The Voice season 24. The Voice follows the strongest vocalists from across the country and invites them to compete in this season's blockbuster vocal competition. Reba McIntyre, John Legend, Gwen Stefani, and Niall Horan. Watch The Voice Mondays and Tuesdays, 8, 7 Central on NBC and, NBC and streaming next day on Peacock. Get the official uh, Voice app, too. All right, so welcome back, Lila. Let's talk about The Voice. Let's do it. Uh, so you were playing, you started telling the story. Tell, tell me how you found your way to The Voice or how The Voice found you. Love this. Yeah, so it was feels very serendipitous. I will tell you that. Auspicious, if you will. It was New Year's Day 2023. So January 1st of this year. I was playing, you know, it's like the busiest time of year for musicians, like up like January 2nd is when it all dies. <laughs> but up until January 1st, I had just done my New Year's Eve gig last night or the night before. And I was doing my New Year's Day gig. It's at this mall. Century City Mall in or the Westfield Mall in Century City in Los Angeles. Just it was a raining day. It was a rainy day, so we had to actually the normal place where we play is outside, but we had to come inside. So we were playing, and this woman starts filming me. Okay, whatever. She comes up to me afterwards. She says, "Really beautiful woman, like really professional looking woman." She says, "I have an opportunity. I think, I think would be good for you." And like I was telling you before. There's been many times where people oh, like here we go. approach me with, I can do really do something big for your career. Yeah. Most of the time it's men though. So the fact that she was a woman, she was young. I had a, I just had a good feeling about it. I was like, hmm, okay. She said, can I have your email? She emails me and she says, I'm a, whatever she was. I don't know. She was a casting producer at The Voice. I think you would be a really good fit for the show. Let's put a portfolio together for you. And I'm like, okay what do i have to lose she's like do you have videos of you singing i'm like yeah i send her a bunch of stuff and kind of just forgot about it and then two months later i get a call i'm like on my way to a gig with a friend in the car i get a call and they're like hey are you are you somewhere like where you're sitting down i was like yeah and they're like you're gonna you're gonna be a contestant on the voice and i was like it was really bizarre because I had just gone into the studio mm -hmm. and recorded my album that I had, I did, I did a Kickstarter where I raised $16,000 to produce this album because obviously I don't, I don't, I don't have a record deal or anything like that. So I had just gone into the studio and recorded this album and it had been like the most meaningful experience of my life thus far. Three days in the album, in the studio recording with the best musicians in town, my own music. It was incredible. And this was like three days later that I got this call. That's like, you're going to be on the voice. And I was like, I had this moment where I was like, I think this is going to be, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of it. This is the beginning of my, not just my career playing gigs and making a living, but like Lila Ford's career. You know what I mean? It felt very meaningful that I had just recorded this album that I had raised all the funds for. And then a couple of days later, I got a call saying I was going to be on the show. And how I got on the show was that somebody heard me at a gig. So it felt like everything was just lining up. And then a couple of months later, I blind audition. Now that's out on TV, so you guys can all watch it. Yeah, let's get it over a million today. I want to see over, over a million on YouTube. Yeah, so that's that's amazing. Um, how often do you 
just to my I'm I'm curious, how often do you gig? How many nights a week are you out there? Mm, maybe <laughs> like lot. yeah, a lot. Maybe like five. Five. Oh. I try not to do I try not to do like more than that because it can get tiring on your voice and yeah. like loading yeah, the gear and the whole thing. But oftentimes like I'll double up. Like I'll have my brunch gig Saturday morning and then I'll have my Saturday night gig. Actually, I play up in Montecito. A lot. Okay. Are you, are you, yeah. you living in Santa, Santa Barbara? Barbara? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I play up like almost every Saturday night at um the the Rosewood Miramar. Oh, great! Yeah. I'll come see you. So you're there. Yeah. This yeah, is what I'll tell you. I play at the I play at the private club mostly, oh. unfortunately. But sometimes they put me at the at the other spot, the Manor Bar. But I they give me a hotel room, which is super nice. So one of my favorite gigs that I do up there. Yeah, every Saturday night. That's like not yeah. a bad spot. Yeah, uh, Montecito and Santa Barbara. Everybody out there right now listening, go check check uh, Lila out on Saturday nights if you can get in the private club. That is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, let me ask you a qu- question. Were you at um at uh the roosevelt roosevelt hotel last friday night i was not no do you have you performed there i have yeah, yeah. okay Were I, you there? I, yeah i was there i went to uh yoshiki's classical concert at the dolby and then the private party was afterwards over there at the at the what's the private room yeah that room what is that room called um i forget thomas room i don't know I anyway wonder- I wonder who it was. I probably yeah, know. It looked him. like it, it looks kind of like me. Yeah, it looked like you. Um, uh, was so, it me? Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to That's, check. I've played oh. there though, many times, so it's funny. Wow. Yeah, we're great. Well, we'll see you up here on Saturday, um, hopefully. <laughs> okay, so let's um, tell everybody who chose you, who you chose. Anybody I went with, I would have been fine. They would have nurtured something different in me. Something that John said that had me, I I had to choose him was he said that I could tell you were playing the piano before I turned around. And that was it. I was like, yep, that's the guy. I got to do it. (laughs) Well, hey, listen, I got to let you go. Apparently you've got one uh, interview after another. You're very in in demand here. So we're going to have to make this our final. Um, Why don't you pitch? you know final words to your fans about the voice and if you want to put out you know you've got a new album that will be coming out okay yes thank you for listening you guys if you're new here if you're new to this journey thank you for being here if you're old if you've been here from the start i appreciate you from the beginning i really really do my name is lila ford i'm here to stay that's all i'll tell you doesn't matter what happens with the show but i'm on the map now and i'm really excited to kind of share my my thing with the world and i hope you you follow this journey and i hope you get something from my music beyond this show so stay tuned keep watching the voice it gets really crazy and my album will be coming out in the new year so stay posted for that i do have the only single from the album that's out is called all i expected i have another ep on spotify i have everything my name is lila ford lilaford.com you can find everything you need to know about me so thanks for listening you guys and thank you jeremiah for having me yes my pleasure and keep listening and here is the new single all i expected by lila ford thank you lila good luck thank you
roll a seven every time by advertising on The Jeremiah Show. And get your message out on seven shows. We're always on the radio. Hi, I'm Gina Miles. I'm on Team Nile this season on The Voice. Uh, you can find me at Gina Miles Official on Instagram, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hey, everybody. My name is Lila Ford, and you can watch me on season 24 of NBC's The Voice. Make sure to tune in. There's some stiff competition, but I'm feeling good. You can follow me on Instagram at L-I-L-F-O-D-Y. TikTok is the same one. Or visit my website, lilaford.com. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Before the next great song plays, let's pause to consider all the people who work tirelessly to bring us the music we love. Music Cares is music's leading national charity that provides a safety net of support and crisis relief for the music community. Everyone from musicians to tour managers, sound engineers to designers can rely on Music Cares to provide emergency financial assistance and essential resources in times of need. Find out how you can help at musiccares.org. That's M-U-S-I I see a r e s dot org. Freaking fighting right now, okay? So where is fighting, folks? I'm literally taking off my shoes because I have like. This is what the world needs. Correct. We want a singer-songwriter with a true point of view that's original, unique, that's not trying to be like anyone else, and the way you performed it, the confidence. It's everything that I love. It was so good. It was so beautiful. I'm standing in the middle of the room. Like, this is so awkward. <laughs> but you're my dream voice girl to work with. I love you. Thank you. Thank you I so much, I love you. to the jeremiah show that was a great interview with lila ford on the voice she's got a four chair turn if you guys haven't checked that out go back and check out the podcast um i wanted to mention a couple things we have two new sponsors one is silo 118 it's an amazing art gallery little art gallery down in the funk zone in santa barbara silo 118 and right now, this October, you may have heard my show with uh, Tom Pazderka. He's got an exhibit, Dusk to Dust. It's his first solo exhibition in Santa Barbara in six years on the walls right now at Silo 118. It only goes, it only lasts until the 31st. So get down there and check it out. Silo 118, it's on 118 Gray Avenue, Santa Barbara, California. I also wanted to, uh, say hi and thank our new sponsor for the arwin lewis show john de nicola and omad records okay you may be thinking john de nicola that that name sounds familiar well it should be if uh you had prom in the 80s <laughs> or if you've seen the movie dirty dancing 
uh, John D. Nicola produced and created the song. Uh, I had the time of my life. We all know that song. So John, welcome. Uh, Bonnie at Silo 118, welcome to the morning show. We're so happy to have you as supporters of the show. And if you'd like to support the show, the Arwen Lewis show, the Jeremiah show, Tim Stack, it's radio with TV's Tim Stack, or Mike Gormley show, please send me an email. 310 is my phone number. 980-8252. You can text me or you can send me an email at Jeremiah at the Jeremiah show and we'll get you all hooked up. We'll blast your message out on the radio Monday through Friday. We've got prime time, the drive seven to nine. Uh, thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you. See you tomorrow. Communicate, but listen more and evolve. Everybody have a great day.
Hi, this is comedian Maz Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, your love, Holmes. You're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool.